Beloved, as you take your seats, I invite you to turn in your copies of God's holy and inspired word back to the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, as we will once again be looking at verses 25 through 34. The, the, the focus will be on uh, verses 33 and 34, but to remind us of the context, we're going to be reading, uh, begin reading in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Beloved, let's ask for God's blessing. Heavenly Father, we come into this service of worship knowing that each day has its own trouble. But so often what we struggle with is, is how to respond to those struggles. And so as your people who have been made participants in the resurrection life of Jesus Christ, who, whose true citizenship is, is that new world, as those who have been made alive, raised up and seated with Christ in the heavenlies, yet who struggle with waiting for the fullness of all of that to be revealed, Lord. Help us to hear afresh the wisdom of Jesus Christ. And help us, Lord, to be willing to stake our lives on who he is, what he has done. Because we know that he cannot and will not deny himself. Bless us, we pray, for we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What are we supposed to do with regards to anxiety and worry? Right now, within our current cultural situation, 
historically we know that there is more anxiety and more worry being experienced by the the daily individual than in many generations past. And in fact, we know that with regards to the younger generation, they are experiencing a level of worry and anxiety that, that rivals people who have lived in a fallen world for much longer than what they have lived. This is a very real and true issue. It is a matter. It is truly a concern. And so how are we supposed to respond to anxiety and worry? Jesus here is giving us wisdom for this, not just because it is a need of the moment. It is a need within the human experience. Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount has been providing us wisdom in order that our virtues, that our values, and that our practices might be reformed so that we're not pursuing what we think is virtuous, what we think is the right values, or what we think are the right practices. You see, each and every one of us, we have this idea within our head and within our hearts of what a flourishing life looks like. What does it look like to live the good life? How do I approach life in such a way that I experience the flourishing that Jesus Christ himself has said that he has come to give? What Jesus has been doing is providing us clear, true teaching in order to help us be reformed in our moral imaginations away from what we think is the way to receive these things and to pursue these things in order, not so that we don't care about them and and that we decide, oh, well, being a Christian isn't about flourishing. Being a Christian is about just suffering and being horrible and terrible and, and just holding on and waiting for Jesus to come back. No, he wants us to flourish. He wants us to live as expressions of his goodness, of his truth, of his beauty. That is the means towards Christian flourishing. But we have to approach these things differently. Here in this most recent section, what he has been addressing to us is, is to help us not to allow ourselves to get caught in the respectability trap. The respectability trap is where you live your life in such a way that you are looking for the approval of others. And what Jesus says is, is, because of who you are, as, as someone who is my follower, as someone who is in my kingdom, who, who is uh, an, an expression of who I am, when you pray, when you give to charity, when you fast, 
when you do these fundamental cardinal practices of the Christian faith, don't do them in order to look good in front of your neighbor and to get there at a boy or at a girl. You do them in response to God because of God having already given you everything in Christ. You have to watch out for the respectability trap. One of the chief ways that we pursue the respectability trap is with regards to our money, with regards to our treasure. And so Jesus has given us a very clear warning here to watch out for what we treasure. He says, where, where your treasure is, there is your heart also. What you treasure shows you what you love. He says, what you love is what you're actually going to serve. And what you serve will enslave you. And you can either become the bondservant of God in Jesus Christ, who has received all the blessings of the spiritual places in Christ in order to embrace that, to enjoy it, to experience it, to embody it, and to extend it. Or you can look for it in other ways. Problem is, when you use your money to pursue something as ultimate, when it is not ultimate, it also will enslave you, and you will become the bondservant of it. Jesus says, take my yoke upon yourself, because it is light. I am gracious. Mammon is not so light. Is not so gracious. And one of the ways that we know that is because when your treasure is in earthly treasure, what happens is you are giving yourself to something that is finite. Now notice here, Jesus doesn't say it's bad. He doesn't say it's evil. He says, you're giving yourself to something that's not permanent. It's not strong. It's not going to last. If, you, if your heart is treasuring earthly treasure, then what you're treasuring, what you're seeking after, what you're putting your hope in, is something that is temporary, something that can be lost, something that can be stolen, something that is going to decay and will always be a diminishing return. Let me put it to you another way. If you're putting your confidence, if you're treasuring something that is fragile, you will become fragile. And so it is not a surprise that Jesus here tells us, hey, where your treasure is, there your heart is also, and you've got to watch out for that, because if you treasure the wrong thing, it's going to change who you are. It's going to affect how you live. 
it will determine what it is that you are experiencing, what you are embracing, what you are embodying, and what you are extending. And if what you are doing is is treasuring something weak, temporary, fragile, you are going to experience that in your life. You will become fragile. So what does he say? Therefore, don't be anxious. The anxiety that Jesus is addressing here is an anxiety that that flows out of having a proper concern that is exercised in an unhealthy way. Now think about it for a second. Anxiety in and of itself or worry in and of itself is not bad. Anxiety is not evil. Anxiety is not sin. Worry is not sin in and of itself. Anxiety and worry flow out of the empathic emotion of concern. It's an, it's an affect. It's an emotion. Now, despite what some Christians will teach you, emotions are not inherently bad. Emotions are not inherently dangerous. Emotions are the check engine light on our soul. How do you know if, if something's going on with the, the engine of your car or the operation of your car unless that check engine light comes on? Some of you, like my daughter, it'll come on and you don't care. <laughs> that check engine light is a blessing. Notice I didn't say which daughter. Ha <laughs> ha. The check engine light is a blessing. Beloved, your emotions inherently are a blessing. But because of the fall, because of that brokenness that that we still experience, even though we've made We've been made righteous in Christ and we are counted righteous and we are participating in the resurrection life now filled with the Spirit. We still have the brokenness. We still have that ability to, to do the wrong thing, to choose the wrong thing. And, and within the faculties of, of our being, whether it's our thinking, our willing, are, are emoting, whatever it is. I mean, and by the way, Reformed Christians, I said thinking. Your thinking is still messed up. So quit putting so much confidence in your, in your thinking. But our thinking, our willing, our emoting, these things are being made whole in Christ, and we can now exercise these things in a way that that leads to us glorifying and enjoying God, but we can still exercise these things in a way that leads to us struggling with the temporary nature of life that can lead us to struggle with sin itself. 
the emotion of, of anxiety or worry. It is a check engine light on your soul. And here's why this is not inherently bad. Jesus himself says here, don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Tomorrow will worry about itself. Why? Because tomorrow has enough of its own evil. Now, in the ESV translation that we use here, he, he says, uh, um, when we read through it, uh, verse 34 says, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. But the word there is evil. Jesus knows that you and I, even as his followers, still live in an evil age. We have evil within our hearts. We have evil within the community. We have evil within history. We are still living in the context of evil. And therefore, guess what? Tomorrow will be evil. Today will be evil. And it has enough evil within itself. And guess what happens when you live in the midst of, a, of an evil world, an evil existence as one who has evil within your own hearts. Guess what? There are things that you have to watch out for. There are dangerous realities. And anxiety and worry are an affect of the soul that at times is the only appropriate response to the evil that we see or experience. So anxiety and worry in and of itself, that, that affect of being concerned is not a bad thing. It is often a very good thing. Because if you start to see that there is something dangerous coming at you and you don't have that emotional and autonomic response of, 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 of your hormones increasing and you getting prepared to do something about it, what do you do? You just walk around as a Pollyanna. Oh, there's nothing bad going on here. Everything is fine. That's, when you look at history, that is why despots get away with what they get away with. Where even the church in Germany the Lutheran Church in Germany came to support the plans and actions of Hitler. Their red flags weren't going off. The check engine light wasn't coming on. And it's not just Hitler. Come on. Right? It, it's me. It's, it's you. In a famous interview where a Jewish um, a writer was interviewing one of the guards of Auschwitz, one of the guards that had participated in the extermination of human beings simply because they were Jewish. This Jewish uh, writer, as he was interviewing uh, the guard from Auschwitz, he came to realize 
that he was interviewing himself. Maybe he expresses it in different ways, but everything that was going on within the heart of the guard who said, well, I was just following orders. He realized, how many times do I go about my day where there is evil happening around me or to me or even from me? How many times is that happening? And emotionally, I am completely disconnected from it. When Jesus tells us here to watch out for anxiety and worry, he is not saying develop a Pollyanna attitude, stick your head in the sand, and act as if everything is okay. Jesus is not promoting a pie-in-the-sky religiosity. What Jesus is addressing here is what happens when that legitimate concern over someone or something goes from being something that is helpful in order to help you uh, put your guard up so that you can rightly respond to that thing, and, and when it goes from that to becoming overwhelmed by it by allowing it to to scare you to the point that there is no no answer for the evil. There is evil. Anxiety and worry are proper responses at times. Anxiety and worry are not inherently bad or inherently sinful. But a good thing can and often becomes a bad thing. Jesus here is talking about worry or an anxiety as a concern that is flowing out of an apprehension that what the evil that is happening is inevitable and that there is nothing that can stop it from going from being potential to actual. Notice here he talks about the, when he says don't worry about what you will eat, what you will wear, don't worry about tomorrow. He's not saying don't worry about actual things that are actually happening to you He's saying, he's saying, look, you get worked up over the potential of these bad things happening. You get worked up over the potential that you may not have what you think you need. You get worked up over the potential of what can happen to you in this evil age. And because of that potential, you get so worked up that you start acting as if it is actual. Let me put it a different way. The facade of being out of control leads you to freak out so that you try to regain control. Here's the reality, beloved. You and I are not in control. That's why evil and sin are real dangers. 
We're not in control. And if you worry about something that is real, but you are concerned about it as if there is no other reality other than that evil, you become paralyzed. Or you become so motivated to try to secure yourself in the midst of that situation that you often will take really unwise action to try to regain some sense of control. Beloved, in those times when when being out of control, when that hits us in a very real way, and where our concern and our and our the 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 uh, the concern light on our soul starts to go off, that is not a time in order to start freaking out. And it's not a time in order to try to say, well, what can I do to scramble in order to stop this feeling? It is a time to be aware that this emotion that I am having is revealing to me my heart. It's revealing to me a treasure. And what I need to do when I become aware of these things, Jesus says, is set your heart on his kingdom and his righteousness. Solomon tells us in Proverbs 4 that it's from our heart that flows everything of life for us. And he tells us that with great vigilance, we are to guard our hearts. We are to protect our hearts. And did you notice how he said within that, so therefore watch out for your speech. Why? Well, how often when, when the control has been ripped away from you and you feel naked, and exposed, and you feel vulnerable, and you feel weak. How many times when you're in the midst of that, does the voice within your own head start to reinforce that negative perception? Oh, oh, I feel naked right now. Oh, I'm scared, right? And, and what happens within your heart, as these emotions flow out, you start to reinforce the emotion in the way that you talk to yourself, let alone the way that you talk to others. There is a direct connection in the way that we speak with regards to what we are feeling and how we respond to that in a way that either helps us or it hurts us. And so the Apostle Paul tells us that when you're experiencing that worry, what should you use your words to do? Take those worries to God in prayer. Not because prayer is going to just magically fix something. Your diagnosis is cancer. Cancer is scary. Prayer is not going to necessarily remove the cancer. 
But what it will do is help you guard your heart from even the legitimate fears that come from a diagnosis of cancer, let alone the exacerbation of those fears that we create for ourselves because of the way we rehearse it. And we say it within ourselves over and over and over and over. When you're being harmed by someone else and the evil you're experiencing is not the evil of the fall, but the evil of someone's actions towards you, what you tend to do is take their words or take their actions and you rehearse them within yourself, don't you? I mean, I am really good at this. I can pull out the details and I can just, I can just replay what's happening into the greatest of details, and I can replay it for days on end. Rather than experiencing what's happening, and as the check engine light of my soul goes off, rather than using my words to rehearse the evil to myself, I use my words to rehearse the evil to God. So that God can give me the right perspective for how to view what I'm experiencing and how to respond. It's not don't ever feel anxious, don't ever feel worried. Don't live there. And don't cultivate it. And so Paul tells us in our prayers, we, we set our hearts on things that are true, things that are noble, things that are good, things that are beautiful, things that are excellent. Jesus tells us to set our hearts on that, that realm of God's unopposed glory and joy. And to set our hearts on what is righteous. Beloved, there is, this is an evil world. There are going to be legitimate reasons and times to feel anxiety and to, to, to be worried. But don't sit there and cultivate the cause of that. Don't nurse it. Don't sit there and hold on to it. Take it to God. See that the evil that is there was placed on Jesus Christ on the cross where he has overcome all evil. Not just the evil that we experience, beloved, but the evil that we commit. And then set our hearts and rehearse within our hearts the glories of who God is, the glories of what he has done, the glories of his eternal purposes, all as those glories have come in flesh in his son Jesus Christ. And where you and I have been united to that son. 
so that when we experience evil, whether it's the evil we're committing or the evil committed against us, beloved, that is not reason to worry. It is reason to rehearse the gospel of Jesus Christ to yourself. So that standing in the sure confidence of Jesus Christ, you will stop being so quick to trust yourself. And you will learn in time, in a way that fits your own personality, you'll learn to trust him more and more. And that trust doesn't mean put a smile on your face and act like everything's great. It's let God's smile over you in Christ. Reestablish your joy in him that you'll keep taking one step after another, learning to trust him more by trusting yourself less. This is what Christ gives us as he recognizes you're going to worry, you're going to have anxiety. Here's how you respond to it. Here's what you do with it. Beloved, what we have seen here in the Sermon on the Mount can be summed up in that phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. And so let who you are in Christ, as one who has been made alive, raised up, seated with him in the heavenly places, let that help you as you learn to become that more and more. Because, beloved, this is the means and this is the path to the flourishing life that Jesus doesn't just want for us, that he has secured for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is so much that competes for our hearts, and so we ask that you would help us to, to, to take what you have revealed of yourself And not just try to learn it so that we can rehearse right statements or that we can rehearse true theological propositions. But so that we can know you. And in being known by you, that we can alter and change the way that we relate to ourselves, how we relate to you and how we relate to our neighbor and especially, Lord, how we relate to money. And so, Lord, prick our imaginations so that we would rehearse over and over and over the eternal mysteries of your person and of your work and the amazing privilege that belongs to us to have been made in Christ who is your treasured possession that we have become your treasured possession as well. Lord, forgive us for the ways that, that we try to compare what you offer us with what the world offers us. 
and instead ingrain deep within us that you are incomparable and that the best that the treasures of earth have to provide us has been given to us to instill in us that desire for you, but not by way of of it being comparable, but by the very fact that even the best thing can merely direct us to the eternal realities that you have gifted us in Christ. Lord, help us to rightly relate to the realities of this world so that through them we might know of your care, that we might trust in your promises, and that we truly might live to experience, enjoy, embrace, embody, and extend the eternal glories of your unopposed realm of glory even now as we wait for the fullness of those things to be revealed. Heavenly Father, it is in Jesus Christ that we ask for this help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.